Chapter Seven of Elsie Ingalls by Eva Shaw McLaren. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Suffrage Campaign. The question of women's suffrage had always interested Dr. Ingalls, for the justice of the claim had from the first appealed to her. But it was not until after 1900 that the women's movement took possession of her. From that time onward, till the Scottish women's hospitals claimed her in the war, the cause of woman's suffrage demanded, and was granted, a place in her life beside that occupied by her profession. Indeed, the very practice of her profession added fuel to the flame that the longing for the suffrage had kindled in her heart. A doctor sees much of the intimate life of her patients, and as Dr. Ingalls went from patient to patient, conditions amongst both the poor and the rich, intolerable conditions, would raise haunting thoughts that followed her about in her work, and questions again and again start up, to which only the suffrage could give the answer. The suffrage flame with her, as with many other women and men, was really one which religion tended. It was religious conviction which mastered her and made her eager and dauntless in the fight. She always worked from the constitutional point of view, and was an admirer and follower of Mrs. Fawcett throughout the campaign. Quote, As she threw herself into this new interest, she found a gale of fresh air blowing through her life. It was almost as if she had awakened on a new morning. The sunshine flooded every nook and corner of her dwelling, and even old things looked different in the new light. Not the least of these impressions was due to the new friendships women whose life-work was farthest from her own whose point of view was diametrically opposite to hers suddenly drew up beside her in the march as comrades she felt as if she had got a wider outlook over the world as if in her upward climb she had reached a spur on the hillside and a new view of the landscape spread itself at her feet as she had once said fate had placed her in the van of a great movement but she herself clung to old forms and old ways, a new thing she instinctively avoided. It took her long to adjust herself to a new point of view, but here, in this absorbing interest, she forgot everything but the object. Her eyes had suddenly been opened to what it meant to be a citizen of Britain, and in the overpowering sense of responsibility that came with the revelation her timorous clinging to old ways had slackened not the least part of the interest of the new life was the feeling of being at the centre of things people whose names had been household words since babyhood became living entities she not only saw the men and women who were moulding our generation she met them at tea she talked intimately with them at dinners, and she actually argued with them at council meetings. End quote. Thus Elsie Ingalls describes in her writings her heroine Hildegard's entrance into the Great Crusade. The description may be taken as true of her own feelings when caught by the ideal of the movement. The following words, which she puts into the mouth of a suffrage speaker, are evidently her own reflections on the subject of the suffrage. I don't think for a moment that the millennium will come in with the vote, she smiled after a little pause. But our faces, the faces of the human race, have always been set toward the millennium, haven't they? 
and this will be one great step towards it it is always difficult to make a move forward for it implies criticism of the past and of the good men and true who have brought the people up to that especial point however gently the change is made that element must be there for there is always a sense of struggle in changing from the old to the new i do not think we are nearly careful enough to make it quite clear that we do not hold that we women alone could have done a bit better that we are proud of the great work our men have done we speak only of the mistakes not of the great achievements only i do think the mistakes need not have been there if we had worked at it together the salvation of the world was wrapped up in the gospel she preached many of the audience were caught in the swirl as she spoke love and amity the common cause of healthier homes and happier people and a stronger empire the righting of all wrongs and the strengthening of all right all this was wrapped up in the vote in the early years of this century suffrage societies were scattered all over scotland and it began to be felt that much of their work was lost from want of cooperation it was therefore decided in nineteen o six that all the societies should form a federation to be called the scottish federation of woman suffrage societies during the preliminary work mrs james t hunter acted as honorary secretary but after the headquarters were established in edinburgh dr ingalls was asked and consented to be honorary secretary with miss lamont as organizing secretary there is no doubt that after its formation the success of the federation was largely due to dr engel's power of leadership she cheered the faithful if sometimes despondent suffragists in widely scattered centres she despised the difficulties of travel in the north and over moor mountain and seas she went till she had planted the suffrage flag in far-off shetland in her many journeys all over scotland speaking for the suffrage cause dr engels herself penetrated the islands of orkney and shetland a very flourishing society existed in the orkneys the following letter from dr engels to the honorary secretary there is characteristic and will recall her vividly to those who knew her the arrival for the meeting by the last train the early start back next morning the endeavor to see her friend's daughter who she remembers is in dollar the light-heartedness over disasters in the house evidently the setback to some suffrage bill in the house of commons these are all like elsie ingalls so too are her praise of federation secretaries her eager looking forward to the procession and the request for the beautiful banner nineteen thirteen dear mrs cursiter yes i had remembered your daughter is at dollar and i shall certainly look out for her at the meeting unfortunately i never have time to stay in a place at one of these meetings and see people it would often be so pleasant this time i arrive in dollar at six p m and leave about eight the next morning i have to leave by these early trains for my work it was delightful getting your offer of an organizer's salary for some work in orkney our secretaries have been most extraordinarily unconcerned over disasters in the house not one of you has suggested depression and most of you have promptly proposed new work that is the sort of spirit that wins 
i shall let you know definitely about an organizer soon at the executive on saturday it was decided to have a procession in edinburgh during the assembly week we shall want you and your beautiful banner you'll get full particulars soon yours very sincerely elsie maud ingalls one of the federation organizers who worked under dr ingalls for years gives us some indication of her qualities as a leader though it was not unknown that dr ingalls had an extraordinary influence over young people it was amazing to find how many letters were received after her death from young women in various parts of the kingdom who wrote to express what they owed to her sympathy and encouragement to be a leader one must be able not only to inspire confidence in the leader but to give those who follow confidence in themselves and this i think was one of dr ingle's most outstanding qualities she would select one of her workers and after unfolding her plans to her would quietly say now my dear i want you to undertake that piece of work for me as often as not the novice's breath was completely taken away she would demure and remark that she was afraid she was not quite the right person to be entrusted with that special piece of work then the chief would give her one of those winning smiles which none could resist and tell her she was quite confident she would not fail the desired result was usually attained and the young worker gained more confidence in herself if on the other hand the worker failed to complete her task satisfactorily dr ingalls would discuss the matter with her she might condemn but never unjustly and would then arrange for another opportunity for the worker in a different department of the work for those with whom she worked daily she expected great things she was herself an unceasing worker well-nigh indefatigable it was no easy matter to work under the chief's direction the possibility of failure never entered into her calculations one of the finest speakers in the suffrage cause who with her husband worked hard in the campaign frequently stayed with dr ingalls she writes thus of her with me it is always most difficult to speak upon the things which i feel the most deeply elsie ingalls is a case in point she was dearer to me than she ever knew and than i can make you believe she is one of the most precious memories i possess the mere thought of her and her tireless devotion to her fellows being the strongest inspiration to effort and achievement she was the edinburgh hostess for most of the woman suffrage propagandists and we all have the same story to tell doubtless you have already had it from others every comfort she denied herself she scrupulously provided for her guests whom she treated as though they were more tired than herself usually she was at her medical work till within a few minutes of the evening meal would rush home and eat it with us take us to the meeting afterwards frequently take a part in it and bring her guests home to the rest she was not always permitted to take herself and through it all there was no variation in her wonderful manner all brightness affection and warm energy the last time i saw her was in the waverley station she was returning shortly to her work abroad while i was on my way to address a public meeting in dundee on the need for attempting to negotiate peace it was the time when 
everybody who dared to breathe the word peace much more those who tried to stop the slaughter of men were denounced as traitors and pro-germans it was the time when one's nearest and dearest failed to understand but she understood and she broke into a busy morning's work to come down to the train to shake my hand what we said was very little but the look and the hand-clasp were sufficient we knew ourselves to be serving the same god of love and mercy and that knowledge made the bonds between us indissoluble i never saw nor had word with her again it is easy to say what is true that the world's women owe to dr elsie ingalls a debt of gratitude they can never repay but i am convinced in my own soul that the reward she would have chosen if compelled to make the choice would have been that all who feel that her work was of worth should join hands in an effort to rid the world of those evils which make men and women hate and kill one another dr ingalls did not see with the pacifists of the last five years but in this tribute to her is shown her open-mindedness and tolerance of another's views even on this cleaving difference of opinion a woman of great distinction and not only in the suffrage movement says when i was working for the suffrage movement in the years before the war one of the most impressive personalities that i came into touch with was that of dr elsie ingalls she was then the leading spirit in our movement in edinburgh and when i went to speak there or in the neighbourhood she always used to put me up i have never met any one who seemed to me more absolutely single-minded and single-hearted in her devotion to a cause which appealed to her she was eminently a feminist and to her feminism she subordinated everything else no consideration for her health for her position for her practice ever stood in the way of any call that came to her she was untiring and that at a time when our cause was not popular everywhere and when her position as a medical woman might easily have been affected by its unpopularity i remember one night especially when we were going out in a motor-car to some rather remote place in very stormy weather it howled and rained and was pitch dark suddenly we ran or nearly ran into a great tree which had been blown down across the road it had brought with it a mass of telegraph wire and altogether afforded an apparently complete barrage we were still some six or seven miles from our destination and were wearing evening frocks and thin shoes we got out and wrestled with the obstacle and when at one time it seemed quite hopeless to get the car through and i suggested that she and i would have to walk i shall never forget the look of approval that she turned on me as a matter of fact i doubt very much whether i really could have walked i am a little lame and the circumstances made it almost an impossibility but the determination of dr ingalls that somehow we should get to our meeting infected me and like many others who have followed her since i felt able to achieve the impossible it is true that dr ingalls seemed to me since after all she was human to have the faults of her qualities no consideration of herself prevented her complete devotion to her work 
i sometimes felt that there was an element of relentlessness in this devotion which would have allowed her to sacrifice not only other people but even perhaps considerations which it is not easy to believe ought to be sacrificed it is extraordinarily difficult to judge how far any end may justify any given means it is of course a shallow judgment which dismisses this dilemma as one easily solved rather i have always felt it exceedingly difficult at any rate to an intellect that is subtle as well as powerful i am reminded in thinking of dr ingalls of the controversy between kingsley and newman from which it appears that charles kingsley thought it a very easy matter to tell the truth and newman found it a very difficult one one's judgment of the two will of course vary but i personally have always felt that newman understood the truth more perfectly than kingsley understood for instance that it takes two people to tell it one to speak and one to hear or write and that this was why he realized its difficulty so with dr ingalls i do not suppose she ever hesitated when once convinced of the goodness of her cause but i confess that i have sometimes wished that she could have hesitated it is a graceless task to suggest spots in so excellent a son and we feminists who worked with her and loved her can never be glad enough or proud enough that the world now knows the greatness of her quality again an organizer who worked constantly with dr ingalls before the war and who later raised large sums for the scottish women's hospitals in india and australia writes you have asked me for some personal memories of my dear dr elsie ingalls for some of those little incidents that often reveal a character more vividly than much description and explanation and to me at least it is in some of those little memories that the dr ingalls i loved lives most vividly what i mean is that her splendid public work in medicine in suffrage in that magnificent triumph of the scottish women's hospitals they were her hospitals is there for all the world to see in honour but the things behind all that the character that conquered the spirit that aspired the incredible courage optimism indomitability of that individuality the very self from which the work sprang all that it seems to me had to be gathered in and understood from the tiny incident the word the glance there stands out in my mind my first meeting with dr ingalls the scene was dismal and depressing enough it was an empty shop in an edinburgh street turned into a suffrage committee room during an election outside the rain drizzled inside the meagre fire smoked there was a general air of lifelessness over everything i wondered ignorant and uninitiated in organizing an election work when something definite would happen giving away sodden handbills in the street did not seem a very vigorous or practical piece of work suddenly the door swung open and dr ingalls came into that dull place and with her there came the very feeling of movement vitality action she had come to arrange speakers for the various schoolroom election meetings to be held that night the list of the meeting-places was arranged then came the choice and disposal of the speakers without hesitation dr ingalls grouped them 
with just one look round at those present and another well into her own mind at those not present who could be press-ganged at last she turned to me and said and you will speak with miss x at blank i was horrified but i must explain i said i am quite new i don't speak at all i have never spoken i can imagine a hundred people answering my very decided utterance in a hundred different ways but i cannot imagine any one but dr ingalls answering as she answered there was just the jolliest cheeriest laugh and oh but you must speak that was all and the remarkable thing was that though i had sworn to myself that i would never utter a word in public without proper training i did speak that night it never occurred to me to refuse confidence begat confidence it was during this time of work with dr ingalls that i began really to understand and appreciate that wonderful character another incident runs into my memory of desperate agonizing days in glasgow when suffrage was unpopular and the funds in our exchequer were very low how well i remember writing to dr ingalls at the ridiculous hour of two in the morning that we must get some money and that i should get certain introductions and do a lecturing tour in new york and try to make suffrage fashionable the answer came by return of post and was deliciously typical my dear your idea is so absolutely mad that it must be thoroughly sane come and talk it over it was a happiness to work with dr ingalls for her confidence once given was complete there were no petty inquiries or pedantic regulations do it your own way was the one comment on a plan of organization once it was settled dr ingalls was one to whom the words can't and impossible really and literally had no meaning and those who worked with her had to unlearn them and they did it did indeed seem impossible to leave for india at ten days notice to carry on negotiations for the scottish women's hospitals and raise an indian fund especially when one had been in no way officially or intimately connected with the hospital's work and to be told on the telephone too that one must go that was adorably dr ingalls i laughed with glee at the very ridiculous fantastic impossibility of the whole thing and promptly went and how i looked forward to seeing dr ingalls on my return when she saw me off at waterloo in nineteen sixteen and still fearfully ignorant of what awaited one i wailed at the eleventh hour literally for we were in the railway carriage but where am i to stay and where am i to go don't worry said dr ingalls with that sublime faith and optimism of hers they'll put you up and pass you on good-bye my dear it will be all right and so it was but one has missed the telling of it all to her the hard things and the good things and the dreadfully funny things for she would have appreciated every bit of it and entered into every detail during the years of that great campaign dr ingalls spoke pleading the cause of suffrage at hundreds of meetings all over the united kingdom at one large meeting she had occasion to deal with the problem of the outcast woman she referred to the statement once made that no woman would be safe unless this class existed then she said 
if this were true the price of safety is too high i for one would choose to go down with the minority it is difficult to declare which was the most impressive the silence one that could be felt which followed the words or the burst of applause which came a moment later but to one onlooker from the platform the predominant feeling was wonder at the amazing power of the woman without raising her voice or putting into it any emotion beyond the involuntary momentary break at the beginning of the sentence she had by the transparent sincerity of her feeling conveyed such an impression to that large audience as few there would forget the subtle response drawn from those hundreds of women to the woman herself to the personality of the speaker was for the moment even more real than the outward response given to the idea more than one woman there that day could have said in the words of the british tommy who had heard for the first time the story of serbia it would not be difficult to follow her End of chapter eight